The Boondoggle Podcast, The Boondoggle Pod. A number of stories read by the Boondog. Yes, this is the first Boondoggle Podcast, and I, I'm the Boondog. Well, I've given myself that name, and I'll tell you why. So the idea of this podcast is, well, the other day, I was uh, getting the bus, and at the bus stop, I saw a book. Big red book. And it was like, um, it was like a book if uh, you're in Harry Potter. And it's like one of those books that you'd um, find spells in. And I thought, ooh, that looks interesting. And um, I picked it up, and on the front it said the Boondoggle. And inside it was just a collection of a lot of strange stories. And, And I thought to myself... Well, these stories they need to they need to be told to the world. I mean, it would be a crime against nature, not nature, a crime against people if they weren't able to hear these stories. Now, I tried to find out who wrote them, uh, but there's no there's no author on the book. It is just called the Boone Doggle, and so I've taken it upon myself to tell you guys about these stories. And uh, since I am the conduit uh, that is giving these stories into the world, uh, I guess I am the boon dog. So there we have it. Um, so that's what this uh, podcast is basically going to be. A number of stories. I think I'll probably tell three a week. And, um, and then, uh, yeah, if you like them, you can uh, carry on listening. You can think of it as you can well, you can think of it as a free audio book who who doesn't like them. Or you can uh, use it to get to sleep to. Uh I mean, I didn't write the story, so whatever you do with them, I'm not offended. Okay, the first story of the book is called Iron Deficiency Man. Interesting, I wonder where this one goes. Okay. Slowness of thought, depletion of energy, lacking libido, the doctor said. Angus, you have iron deficiency. Oh, bloody hell, Angus thought, then said out loud. Bloody hell. He was slow that way. Oh, you needn't worry. A simple prescription will sort you out. Once a day for a month, and you'll be fit as a fiddle, right as rain, and back on form. He handed the green slip of paper over to him with a smile. Angus didn't seem to understand, or perhaps he had drifted off. He had a severe depletion of energy, after all. Angus! He stood to attention. Not in that way. He was lacking libido, after all. Yes, sir. You can go now. Certainly, sir. Just figuring out the voice of Angus there. Okay. I think he's going... He's a West Country bloke. All right. When Jessica, Angus's true love, returned home, 
She found him dancing around the kitchen, rustling the bottle like a single maraca, and singing a little ditty. Iron, 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 iron. And then Jessica joined in. His enthusiasm was contagious. Iron, iron, iron. They sang together. Iron, 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 iron. Together they doshy doed around the room with glee until they collapsed on the sofa. This was a love unlike no other. What's in the pot? Jessica was also slow of thought. However, her iron levels were just right. It's iron, my liege, he said, and it's going to make me better. She embraced him without hesitation. Then she had a thought. But Angus, well, there's nothing wrong with you now. You seem perfectly fine to me. Maybe there's nothing wrong, but things could be better. Look, this will all be better. He handed Jessica the list of symptoms. Oh, yes, I see. Oh, hey. Oh, yes, it wouldn't hurt. How many do you need? Ara, oh, there's a gap in my memory where all that should be. He looked at the bottle, but the sweat from his dancing had smudged off all the instructions. Two a day, just to be sure? Angus suggested. Just to be sure, she agreed. He cracked open the cap and stuck his nose to the bottle. The smell of his new future wafted pleasantly into each nostril. Without a second more thought, he popped a couple of pills into his open mouth and washed them down with a glass of water. Oh, we're going to be in paradise! Jessica jumped for joy. Oh, I went a bit Bristol then. I'm just a narrator. A week later, Angus had become an absolute asshole. What was once a relationship of mutual respect had become a poor excuse for anything resembling love or any positive emotion for that matter. Back in the heyday of their romance, their joy came from a trip out dancing. This ain't no gay Gordon, though. They loved going to see the new superstar drum and bass DJs. They would put the, their fingers in the air to resemble a gun and then wave them about when the DJ takes out the bass and then puts it back in. Superstar DJ! Jessica would shout. Here we go! Shouts Angus. This dream was no more. Jessica urged Angus to come out. Oh, come on, Angus. Come see Sir Dance-a-Lot in the nights of the round table. Turntable, in fact. Well, you've got better things to do, he retorted. Oh, you'll have fun once you're there, she said. I'll get the DJ to say, shout out, Angus. I didn't care about shout-outs no more. They should be requesting a shout-out from me. Well, you come and you can shout out the DJ. Angus contemplated the idea. Now he is quick-witted. He could be the one to give the shout-outs. Affirmative, he said. But I don't have time for any nonsense. Oh, sure. Jessica began to wonder what she ever saw in Angus. I do, please, requested the bouncer with little enthusiasm. Jessica withdrew her ID with excitement as she had been disappointedly mistaken for 22 years old earlier in the week. She was, in fact, 21. Take a look at that, mister. She waved it in his face. I can't. You're waving it too fast. Jessica stopped waving it. 
Okay. Oh no, this is, this is the bouncer. Yeah. Okay. Are you sure this is you? Oh, why? It says here you are twenty-one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you look twenty-two. Oh, is that a problem? No, not at all. It's just confusing. That's all. He handed it back to her, and she snatched it back, slightly disappointed once again. Don't you try any of that hoo-ha with me, Angus butted in before the bouncer had a chance to even think. No problem, sir. Have a good night. The bouncer had surprisingly been bamboozled by Angus's quick wit and energy. He walked on in, still confused at the effects of his new levels of iron, but nonetheless, he was still an asshole. Not long after arriving at the club, Angus declared, Right, I'm horny, let's go home. He was an unpredictable wreck. Jessica kept dancing. The DJ took the bass out, making it sound all tinny, but she loved it. Then he put the bass back in, making it sound like it did before the bass had ever gone, but she loved it even more than before. I'm horny, let's go home, Angus repeated himself. But you haven't even given DJ a shout-out yet. Well, I haven't been given a microphone, have I? Jessica strolled off in a harumph, leaving Angus to fit in with people of an average iron level. He struggled due to their slowness of wit, their depletion of energy and their lacking libido. He couldn't dance because the shapes he would bring out would be so progressive, innovative and unpredictable that he would be laughed off the dance floor. He would be shunned from the boogie zone. Little did they know, in a year, they would all be pulling those same shapes they had ousted him for. It's a cruel world. DJ says he's the only one that does the shout-out, so I should put out of his business, said Jessica on her return. You're kidding me, said Angus. I tried to argue with him, but he seemed pretty serious about the whole situation. But Jessica, you promised. This is a kind of nonsense I shouldn't have to expect. A tear teased its way from the corner of each of Jessica's eyes. Then they trickled down her cheeks, as if racing to the bottom. The left one took the lead as far as her nostrils, overtaken by the right as they reached her lips. But the left pulled it back to meet the right at her chin, where they high-fived each other and dropped to the floor. I'm going home. You come in. She contemplated her options for a while. She did love Angus, that was true, but not right now. No, I've come here to a party, and party I will do. She downed her drink, accidentally pouring an ice cube into her mouth in the process. She started out with a crunch and a smile, hiding the brain freeze she really felt. That is fine by me, said Angus. He turned around and stormed out of the club, popping a couple more iron tablets in the process. Jessie watched mournfully as the man she once knew left her sights. Whoever thought that a little extra iron could change a person so much? Angus marched down the bitty streets of Bristol. Oh, it is Bristol. Got it right. If he rushed home, he could catch the beginning of the Bullseye Omnibus on Challenge TV. Back in the days of iron deficiency, he and Jessica would watch Bullseye just for Jim Bowen's banter with the contestants and to guess what would be Bully's special prize that week. He was still yet to get one right, although he continues to argue that a toaster is the same as a toasty maker. 
Now, with the quick wit, quick wit of iron, Angus believed he would have no problem recalling 80s trivia. The house of Angus and Jessica was but two miles from the club, so Angus planned to walk the whole way. Usually it would take an hour, but with all this energy, he thought he could cut it down to half. He checked his watch after mile one, only to realise it had taken him 20 minutes. This was not pleasant. His eyes were drawn towards a shortcut, the dark road where all the wrong live. They won't be a problem tonight, he thought to himself, and popped another iron pill in his mouth. Within five minutes, he encountered a problem. It was the wrong uns. Behind him, he could hear their mutterings. Silly Billy, they called him. Idiot, said another. Angus's rage began to build up until he was soon he was seething, seething with rage. Stinker, said the third wrong un. That's it. Angus had finally snapped. With the, with the quick wit and energy of iron, he decided to take them on. He dished out some quick wit to begin with. You guys wouldn't know your elbow from your knee if it hit you in the face. It does make sense, apparently. We're just not smart enough to understand. The wrong uns looked at each other, befuddled, failing to notice Angus's charging headbutt incoming. Wrong un one was pummeled in the chest, emulating Zinedine Zidane's attack on Maserati. This knocked him to the floor, winded and unable to move. Wrong uns two and three were now ready, and Angus was slightly dazed. Three came at Angus. They don't always have to go in order. With arms outstretched, he was aiming for a chokehold. Angus knew it. But he was prepared. He had been practising a three-punch knockout he had seen on Wiki Howe since he was 13. His friends had laughed at him before, but now was the time to use it. He, bat he batted down the left hand with his right. Step one. Then the right hand with his left. Step two. Then with his right, he swung it and clonked wrong and three in the temple. It worked. Number three fell to the floor. Thwack! What a cheeky move. Wrong and two kicked him from behind, right in the thigh, giving Angus a dead leg. No iron pills could prepare him for this. Wrong and two then proceeded to kick his other leg, two dead legs, unheard of. Wrong and two's morality knew no bounds. Angus fell backwards to the floor. His enemy loomed over him, looking him in the eyes, preparing him for the final blow. Was this what it had come down to? Is life over because of the arrogance of iron? Find out next week. God, whoever wrote this book. Very cheeky, very cheeky there. Add us on tenterhooks. But uh, I'm, I'm guessing that later on in the book, um, I guess there's the, the rest of this story. And um, we can all look forward to that. So, see what what the author of the Boondoggle there has done, I guess, is um, has just thought about. Oh, I wonder, wonder if um, if someone were to take too many iron pills, would like bad things happen? Would they get more than um? Would they get the symptoms, but in the opposite way? Interesting, interesting idea there, from um. Whoever wrote this book, The Boondoggle. Um, 
So, uh, but I guess we'll have to find out in the coming weeks what happens to Iron Deficiency Man. Will he survive? And what happens to Jessica? Will she, um, will she, uh, and Angus uh, recuperate their love? Is that is that word? Re- return, return to what they once were. I I just don't know. But um, yeah, if you tune in next week, then I'm sure we can try and find the sequel. next story is called S. Cunthorpe. Uh, how, how, are you, how are you doing? You might, you might find our music jarring, alright. We're, we're pushing things beyond where they were. It's been a fucking awful day for us, so you might feel threatened. If you do, get out of the way. I'm Escant. He's Thor with silent P.E. We're Escanthorpe. Fuck off. Mate! Did you call him? Said S. Yeah, I effing did okay. Here's just go, like an hour. Said Thor, her bandmate. What, what if he doesn't come? Check your check your bag again. We've lost our drugs, Thor. I told you. S sat on the stage and rummaged through her miniature Nike Just Do It rucksack, like kids had in the late noughties. She pulled out the Fisher-Price keyboard that was hanging at the top and threw it on the floor. Oh, fuck off. I know. She then launched the bag the same way as the keyboard, stood up and marched over to Thor, who was sat behind his drum kit. We need those drugs. S stared deep into Thor's eyes, as if she'd find them in his skull. Maybe we can play without them. Mate! We've drunk too many cans. She cracked open another can of John Smith's and took a swig. We need something to keep us alive. Wake us up. Maybe if we stop now, we'll be okay. It's too late, man. Don't worry, don't worry. We'll sort them out. It's chill, it's chill, it's chill. To the right of the stage, a balding man in an arcade fire t-shirt poked his head through the door. Spotting him, S pulled herself together and turned on her charm. Amazing to meet you. I'm S cunt. Call me S, though. If you're scared of upsetting your mother... He's Thor. The P.E. is silent. She stood wide stanced and clutched the man's cheeks. Then she got on her tiptoes, angled the man's head towards her and smacked a kiss on her, his bald head. Yeah, okay. He almost recoiled, rec- almost recoiled, but kept his cool. If I offended you, that's your fault, mate. She swigged her can of John Smith's as an affectation. We're bringing these back, you know. Uh, fair enough. Fair, fair, fair. Fair, fair. Oh, no, 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 this is Thorna. Oh, fair, 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 said Thor from behind her. He had a mullet and a wide moustache that stretched all the way across his face, dividing his mouth and chin from the rest of it. The man stuck his hand out, but S stared at it. 
Uh, Michael, do Sam the sound engineer? R right. We do the sounds, you do the engineering. Uh, sure. He looked to Thor instead and outstretched his hand, instantly battered away by S. He's Thor. I've introduced you already. There's absolutely no need for this nonsense. Uh, yeah, fair, fair enough. Fair, fair, said Thor. Michael had little time for this. Uh, sh should we get on with this then? Gear all good to go? Frankly, Michael, it's not. We did a show last night and there was, there was some left. Not much, but some. Um, but somewhere between here and Birmingham, it disappeared. Now, we've been waiting for the last hour for more and the credit won't show up. If you could help us out, mate, that would be honestly the best. Michael pointed to their instruments on the stage, a three-piece drum kit and a Fisher-Price keyboard. Uh, I was talking about your instruments, and I'll pretend I didn't hear that. Michael retreated behind his mixing desk. Oh, you fucking were, were you? She finished her can and span around, leaping onto the stage. Thor followed obediently. S wore an orange jumpsuit with huge chunks cut out the sides, exposing her stomach. On the left heart, and on the left side, she had written in black sharpie, "Animal." On the right side, in a red sharpie, it said, "Dragon animal." Thor sat behind his drum kit, sticks in hand, arms poised for action. He was dressed head to toe in cycling lycra, with straps over his shoulders and a Tour de France yellow jersey on top. Thor, drink your bitter beer. Who tastes like bath water. Oh, jarring. I don't give a shit, bruv. Obediently, Thor swigged a big gulp from his own can of John Smith's. Uh, can we play these songs then? Uh, get these levels sorted. Sure, mate. Thor clicked his sticks together to count them in, and S began her song. Hold on, hold on, hold on. How are we supposed to hear your keyboard then? Uh, I don't know, mate. Doesn't one of your buttons on your spaceship control uh, make things louder? Said S. Michael sauntered towards the stage. He dealt with enough prima donnas in his lifetime to keep his cool. He took a look at the keyboard. I'll go sort you out a microphone. Off he went, out the same door he came in. Mate, you need to get on the phone. I've had six cans of bitter beer and we're on in two hours. Uh, isn't that long enough to wait? We can stop now. We'll be okay. He pleaded while swigging more John Smith. We can't stop. Her legs gave way and she lay on the floor. Phone him, mate. Oh, fair, fair. Thor dialed in the number and held it to his ear. Why are they always allowed to be late? But I bet if we made them fucking wait, they'd probably be really mad. Could we tell on them? 
Uh, yeah. Uh, hello, is this Star? Hello, hello, Star? We're actually waiting on his delivery. Waiting fucking hours! Piped in S. You actually said you'd be here an hour ago. Yes, that's right. Tell him we're going to sell on him if he doesn't get here soon. Okay, very nice. Thank you, Star. Tell him that, Thor. He won't come otherwise. You have to be firm with these people or you never get your way. Uh, Star, well, if you don't come soon, well, we're going to... We're going to tell on you. Thor stares at his phone. He's hung up. Oh, that's amazing. He'll be here in no time, said S. Are you sure? Uh, sure, sure. Oh, fair, fair, said Thor, just as Michael returned. S pulled herself to her feet with all her might. She clutched onto the microphone stand to keep her balance, while Michael set up the keyboard microphone and fiddled with his buttons in stoic fashion. A short while later, he was stood behind his desk once again. Uh, ready when you are, guys. Thor clicked them in. Lucky people in the street with their style. With their style. Throughout the song, Michael stared blankly at the stage while S. Cunthorpe did their best to stay upright. Michael left it a few seconds once they were done, afraid that if he interrupted too soon, they would have to start again. Well, any problems? S. asked. Apart from the fact that your keyboard is designed for five-year-olds, it'll do. We're bringing these back, you know. Fair enough. Fair, fair, said Thor. Well, I think I'm done then. See you in an hour. Break a leg and all that. With that, he left them to themselves, alone on the stage again. As soon as the door shut, Essa's legs buckled again, as if she were Woody from Toy Story and Andy had just walked in.
Mate. Has he not called you? S immediately turned to Thor, now propping himself up with his snare drum. Thor withdraws his phone from the zip pocket at the back of his cycling jersey and takes a look at it. Oh, he sent a text. Oh, it says, don't fucking call me again, bruv. Oh, he must be on his way then. He can't talk while driving. Uh, fair, fair. An hour later, the band had managed to drag themselves backstage and reassemble their slump there. They sat with their knees up and their backs to the wall facing one another. S still in her jumpsuit and Thor still in his lycra. However, he looked a long way from a champion of the Tour de France now. The gentle hubbub of a milling crowd rung loud backstage. The sounds of all the people judging them. S looked into Thor's eyes. Mate, I don't think he's fucking coming. Not fair, replied Thor. But we'll fucking show them. On stage, the music died down, awaiting the arrival of the band. S put her hands on Thor's shoulders and squeezed tight, drawing as much energy as she could from their connection. Together, they pulled one another up and staggered out into the mercy of the crowd. About 50 people applauded their arrival, as that was all there was. Amongst them were V-neck t-shirts from Top Man, bandanas worn like cowboys, and those super dry jackets with six zips, all believed they were bringing them back. Surely they couldn't all be. Thor crossed the stage to his drum kit as if he were walking on a wooden bridge with many slats missing and only one rope to balance on. He found his stool and plonked himself down on it with a thud. He steadied himself on his snare drum, managing to keep his torso upright. S's path to her microphone was shorter, yet more treacherous. She made her way across the stage as if she were travelling on a rope swing, attached at neither end. The applauses of the crowd got louder, thinking it was the beginning of some new artistic movement. No one wanted to be behind the curve. She was stumbling, picking up momentum, but she caught hold of the microphone stand just before she hit the deck. She kept her balance, reconfigured herself and spoke into the mic. Uh, how, how, are you, how are you doing? You, you might find our music jarring, all right. We're, we're pushing things beyond where they were. It's been a fucking awful day for us, so you might feel threatened. If you do, get out of the way. I'm Eskant. He's Thor with silent P.E. We're Eskanthorpe. Fuck off. Thor raised his sticks to click into the song. That was his mistake. No longer holding himself upright, he clattered headfirst into his bass drum and hit the floor, remaining laid out on the stage. S turned to witness the melee, pulling the microphone from its stand and losing her balance. She followed Thor and hit the floor, microphone in hand, but unable to say a word. The audience stood and watched in silence. They were, they were ready for this. After five minutes, oh no, they weren't ready for this. Oh God. After five minutes, a few began to question whether it was part of the performance. Nonetheless, they kept watching it avidly. After an hour, S. Cunthorpe were dragged off by the stage manager to rapturous applause. The audience continued to applaud, and so they were dragged back on for an encore. 
After five more minutes, they were dragged off once again. The obedient crowd applauded once more and then left, believing they had witnessed the most progressive artistic event in history. So, uh, I guess that's a, a cautionary tale about um, the effects of drugs and alcohol and being a part of a pretentious music scene. A lot of things to watch out for. But, as usual, let me know what you think of the stories of the Boondoggle and uh, maybe we'll hear more from this band Escunthorpe in the future. I've got one more story for this week, and this one is the tale of Debbie Snuggles. When most people looked at the life of Debbie Snuggles, they'd see an idyllic dream. She lived in the scorching city of Los Angeles so beautiful that they would not let it be blighted by the sight of buses or other public transport. She had a mansion in the hills, complete with a swimming pool, streaming services of the highest definition, and a doorbell with a video camera on it. She had the lot. What's more, she could turn up for work whenever she pleased, for Debbie Snuggles was an ASMR artist. If you weren't aware, it's best you should know. This is someone trained in the art of autonomous sensory meridian response, creating sights and sounds that emote a tingly tingly sensation in certain people. Hello listeners, welcome back to Debbie Snuggles Soothing Sensations. Today I will be eating various different fruits with my mouth open. Please let me know in the comments which you like best. I will begin with the banana. Thrice a week, she'd sit at her desk, surrounded by her paraphernalia, and try to bring hundreds of thousands of viewers to a so-called eargasm. But although the money would roll in quicker than, quicker than she would care to mention, she remained dissatisfied. One winter morning, she picked up the phone and dialed her agent, Jack Dingle. Oh, how's it going, sweet chicks? I got some offers for you and they are as hard as a jack potato, baby. You know, that kind of potato that when you've just swallowed it too early and it gets stuck in your throat. I bet it's too late, you can't juggle it between your cheeks no more. And you gotta get a glass of water from the kitchen. But you're the other side of the table and so you gotta crawl underneath. Through everybody's legs, but then they kick you on the way through. And meanwhile, this jacket potato is stuck in your throat and it's burning your insides. And you finally get out and you get to the sink and you realize the pipes have burst the week before. So you're out of water. Yes, these offers are that hot. Come on then, Jack. Let's see if you're worth your 10%. God, are you sure you can't talk differently? Voice of yours distracts me from the business talk. Let's just talk mano and mano. This is my voice, Jack. It's the mad time you got that into your head. Oh, easy now, cowgirl. What have you got for me then? 
Well, as I said, these deals these de well, as I said, these deals are hot. But they're getting colder, Dingo. Oh, sure, sure. Well, you see, there are these guys disrupting the food industry. Kiki Bicky Hearts, the name. One of these new subscription things that are also happening. Happen. These bozos are getting people to sign up for a kike a week. Something like that. They want someone like you to do the voice, you know. One of those adverts to make people want to make out with a donut. You can do that kind of thing, can't you? It's not my bag, but it seems like there's a load of suckers out there into it. Oh, sure, Jack. Of course I could do that. With a voice like mine, I could sell a toothbrush to a platypus. But why would I? I don't know, I don't know, Deborah. has got no teeth. No, Jack. Why would I use my voice to promote these cake people? Because they're paying six figures for 60 minutes of your time. Now why would you turn down a juicy peach of an offer like that? Well, Jack, I'll tell you why. Because there's no limit to what this voice of mine could do. And I've just had a... And I've just about had enough of wasting it on such a frivolous venture like this. Haven't you got a thing in your list of so-called hot offers that'll make me sleep easy at night? Hey now, Debbie, let's take a step back. Your job is making it easier for other people to sleep at night. And you know there's plenty of people that'll pay a pretty penny to hear you do that. Now how about some other offers? How about being the new talking clock? Time sponsored by Accurist and all that. Beep, beep, beep. What about announcing the football scores on the TV? Philadelphia got themselves a few points on the board there. You can say that. And Jack, I know you must you I Jack, I know you must have something else on that list of yours. Something to keep the blood pumping through these veins of mine. Now let me hear it. Oh honey. Why'd you have to do this to me? I do have something alright. But there ain't no money in it. I gotta warn you this now. Jack, I have money. I don't need any more. Well, I guess I'll tell you then. You see, the LAPD are struggling with a particular case. They think someone like you could help out. This sounds interesting. Well, I've got this guy, suspected big shot, crazy, flippin' lunatic. They think it's going near the greatest prank in Hollywood history, and it's got a lot of bow ties and a twist. You see, last week was the Oscars ceremony. You might have noticed all that hoo-ha that went down there. The fruitcake winners swapped the envelopes for all the winners of the golden raspberries. Some sort of ceremony is celebrating the most god-awful pictures of the year. Each and every envelope exchanged for the worst thing of the last 12 months. There's supposedly some sort of critique of the Oscars. I may not see where it's coming from. Those pictures of her load of high and mighty tomfoolery. Apart from that green book. Now that was a good picture. Anyway. Now the movie people have got no idea who really won and they think this guy knows. Well, Jack. 
This sounds like something very important, and I'd love to help. But how? Oh, you see, this guy has a certain weakness. I checked his search history, and he seemed to have a certain affinity for your videos. And they want me to tease the information out of him? Well, yeah. That seems like a load of baloney if you ask me. And as I said, the money ain't great. But that's the idea. It sounds like a dream. When do I start? The following day, Jack and Debbie pulled up to the police station in Jack's convertible. Debbie stepped out the passenger side, adjusted her, adjusted her shades, and nudged the door closed. Closed with a swing of her hips. She was so Hollywood, and she hadn't set foot on a film set. You sure you want to get in a bed with these guys so soon? If you really are the object of their desire, they so claim you are, we could draw a tasty, tasty whopper of a deal out of the Los Angeles Police Department. Now you need to stop this money talk, Jack. Right now, I'm here for me. You're lucky you're getting a dime. She paused at the doors and whispered, Open. They slid open. I'm sure they would have done so, even if they weren't automatic. A slick-haired hunk of a man in a tight-fitting police uniform greeted them. If they weren't already in a police station, one might have mistaken him for a stripper. Eh, uh, nice to meet you, Miss Snuggles. Uh, missus? Are uh, you married? They call me Debbie. Uh, beautiful stuff. I'm Detective Bam. 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 It's got six A's in the middle and a silent N at the end. I think it's Dutch or something like that. And you must be Mr. Dingle. I thought the detectives weren't supposed to wear that kind of uniform. It's all suits and shirts and ties from what I've seen on the TV. Well, you know, this ain't the most typical police attire, but boy, it makes me feel good. And you know what I say? Feel good, do good. And you can call it my motto. Anyways, I'll show you through to the suspect, Dennis Pueblo. Now, he's a real nuisance. They began a classic walk and talk through the police station. Now, we know he did it. I tell you this in confidentiality. We had one of our top guys use some slightly unpolice-like methods to crack into his emails. Once in there, we found an email exchange with the head of the Razzies, explaining his whole plan. Plus, he sent this email to Derek Oscar, the head of the Oscars. He handed the piece of paper to Debbie. Your award ceremony is a meaningless pile of shit, she read out. She passed it back to Bam. Sure looks like he did it, huh? Oh no, that was, um... That was old Jack Dingle there. Oh, sure looks like he didn't, huh? Well, I'd say that would be the case, Debbie agreed. Oh, my mistake. That was Bam. Uh, sure looks like he didn't, huh? Well, I'd say that would be the case. Debbie agreed. 
Oh yeah, looks like he's your guy. Now who do I talk to to sort us out a big old fat check? I said Dingo. Hey dude, this is the police department. We're the good guys. You help us out, you help yourself out. Do good, feel good. It's my motto. Oh, I thought it was all the way around. It, wo it works both ways, my friend. They pushed through some double doors and found themselves the other side of a one-way mirror, making eyes at the suspect. suspect slumped in his chair, his hands cuffed to the desk. Uh, welcome to the sneaky side, boys. That's what I like to call it, this side of the mirror, said Bam. Dennis's long hair was tied up in a bun, and his beard was at five days' growth, three days longer than his preferred length. Now this is where you come in handy, Debbie. You're the keys to this whole operation. We've tried the usual methods, slapped him around a bit, tickled his feet and pinched his nipples. But the guy won't talk. Now you're now the only hope. It's like in that Star Wars film. You do this for us and you've saved Hollywood. You save Hollywood, you save Los Angeles. That's another one of my mottos. You save Hollywood, you save Los Angeles. Two police officers burst through the door and into the interrogation room, carrying a pair of Bluetooth headphones and a blindfold. One held Mr. Pueblo's head still, while the other secured the blindfold. It hardens the senses, said Bam. I know, said Debbie. They then placed the headphones on, tied them up and left the room. Seconds later, one officer poked his head into the sneaky side and passed the microphone to Debbie. Now all you gotta do, Miss Debbie Snuggles, is get that information out of our man here. We gotta know where he stored those files. Well, if I know how to do my job, and if you look at my house, you'll see that I clearly do, then this shouldn't be much more than a stroll down to Venice Beach. She drew the microphone close to her face and switched it on. Hello there. Lovely to see you here for your eye test. The man in the chair twitched. Debbie! Oh no, he wouldn't sound like that, would he? Debbie! No, why would he sound? Debbie? Debbie! Now take a seat, please. She pulled a torch out of her handbag and clicked it on, shining it at the microphone. Bam! shrugged and held out his hands, pleading for her to make some sense. She held up her hand with confidence. Now how has your vision been recently? She clicked the torch on and off, on and off again. Not bad, not, not bad, not, not bad. Oh. Okay. I heard a little fact recently. It may be baloney, but it might also be a bit of the truth. I heard that sometimes little pictures can stick around on your eyeballs if you've done something against the law. How does that sound? I can say. I can say. It could be true. I'm just saying. I see a little picture on your eyeball there. 
Bam's eyes lit up. Dingle squeezed his wallet in frustration. It looks like a list of some sort. Yes. You see, it's stuck on your eyeball, this bad image. I'm just doing your eye test here, but I think I know a way of getting yourself rid of this image that is bad for you. Go on. Well, if you just say where you saw it, then it just goes away. That's just something I heard anyway. Uh, a USB drive? Yes. It's in my shoe. And we can just look at it if we find it? What? I mean, I, I mean if someone were to find the USB drive, they could make the bad picture go away. No, it's encrypted. The code is 2045. Thank you. Seconds later, Sergeant Bam burst into the interrogation room, wrestled the man's shoe off and strolled back to Debbie. Dennis was bewildered by the whole ordeal and barely knew where he was anymore. The detective raised his hands for big tens and Debbie reciprocated. Oh, thank you. The other guys in the force thought I was out of my mind, giving a girl like you a call. But looks like they lost that bet. I look forward to working with you again in the not-so-far future. Why, it's no problem at all. Do good, feel good. Why, ain't that the truth? That motto's catching on. As Debbie Snuggles and Jack Dingle stepped back into the car, You'd never know they had both witnessed the same event. Now we're gonna have to negotiate some sort of deal if you want to carry on meddling with this kind of business. Jack, I make my own decisions, and the sooner you realize that, the happier you'll be. And with that, Jack put the pedal to the floor and kept his mouth shut. What was he going to do now? That was a... Uh... A bit different, wasn't it? A bit different. They give me an opportunity to flex my ASMR skills. Something I've wanted to do for a while. So, yeah. So this 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 Boondoggle book has got quite a variety, doesn't it? It's got, um, yeah, stories of wannabe superheroes, stories of uh, reckless bands, and stories of... Um, Stories of life in Hollywood. What more could you want? Well, you could you could want a lot more, fair enough. But uh, who knows? This book may contain everything you've ever dreamed of. I haven't read to the end yet. I mean, these are the first times I've looked at these stories, so um, I'm just figuring them out as we go along, as you can see. So, yeah. That is it for the first week of the Boondoggle podcast. I have been the Boondog, and you have been listening. Goodbye. See you next week. This is the outro. The Boondoggle podcast. The Boondoggle pod. The Boondoggle podcast. I'm the Boondoggle.